Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, along with Kyle Davis. We will uh, wrap up the season here for you on Toronto Rock Total Access this week. Uh, look back at uh, the final game of the season for the Toronto Rock, the 13-9 Game 2 East Division final loss to the Georgia Swarm on Saturday night. We will also have Jamie Dowick with us. We will have Nick Rose in the studio. And uh, I guess we'll do our final uh, buying or selling segment maybe of the year. I actually made some notes on this, Katie. Nice. Looking forward to it. Ready to go. Uh, so Saturday night's game, uh, 13-9. Toronto obviously gets off to a, a bad start, gets into a 3 nothing hole very early in the game. Uh, Brandon Miller end, uh, ends up getting yanked 10 minutes into the first quarter. Nick Rose comes in and plays really well. Gives the Rock a chance to win, obviously. But, um, you know, you, you still need to score some goals to win. And that was kind of the, the theme, I guess, maybe in the second half is that both teams, goaltenders and defense, kind of shut things down. Yeah, no, for sure. I thought, uh, you know, you watch Georgia through the season and, you know, Toronto showed the ability to later on in the season to put up some numbers. I thought – I was kind of surprised actually how much the, ser- the, the series was shut down. Even going back to the Toronto game, you know, the low-scoring first half there, Toronto up, what was it, 6 Two, four, six, two. Six, four two yeah. yeah so um you know overall but like you said you know Brandon did struggle out of the gates and you know you know it felt like Toronto was kind of chasing the game before they could even get into the game but saying that they were down three nothing and you know mentally watching it you're like uh this maybe could you know get away on them to make it three two Georgia makes it five two you're like, oh, okay, maybe this is where it's going to – but Toronto Battles Back makes it 5-4. Like, they're in the game yep. right there and never gave up, battled hard. And, uh, you know, unfortunately it just uh, it wasn't meant to be. I thought just like every every game they played in the regular season as well, I thought this was a, a close series. Obviously Georgia did, you know, get the, the two-game sweep or whatnot. But uh, game of bounces, game you know, game, going back to game one, there was – you know, it was uh, – a hairline on the goal line there uh, away from you know who knows what happens there and it was a tight game down here I don't think the five minute major penalty helped things in Georgia there um, A just you know Toronto's on the PK for five minutes Georgia buried two I believe I one, think Georgia only scored one, one on the power play yeah but that was almost worse than if they would have came out and maybe bang two goals real quick because well, then you get time back yeah you get and in this situation they were short for five minutes with 10 minutes to and, go and it wasn't so right? much so. yeah that they you know them being able to run five minutes of the clock is maybe bigger than scoring goals at yeah that point, right like you're just taking away toronto's time so that i don't think helped um the situation but uh overall i thought it was a great season and you know the boys battled right to the end and you know, a couple empty netters in these two games too, which you know make it three, four goal spreads. But they were really both you know one goal games essentially. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's uh, you know kudos to Toronto and, and you know and the boys for making such a strong comeback this season overall, right? And we'll we'll get into uh, shortly just kind of our thoughts on next season as well, but just to focus on what these guys were able to do because, you know, April was a really rough month for this team and somehow, some way, this team found it within themselves to win that game in Buffalo, come out, win convincingly in the first round against New England and then, you know, battle against the most potent offense in the league this season with Georgia and and keep the games close and low scoring and and kind of in an area where they needed to be, I think, for Toronto to win. I, I don't think... The Rock would have won an 18-16 game with this team. I think that needed to be in the 11-9-ish range, kind of where the games found themselves uh, in both games one and two. So it's tough to look back and say it's not disappointing that The Rock won, but at the same time, it's not that disappointing. And I know that sounds weird, but just with the strides that were made by this team this year, and, you know, I think also a clear a clear picture of what you have now, I think, and also what's coming back next season with Rob Hellier coming into the mix. I think tons of reason for optimism. But focusing back on the game on Saturday night, those couple of quick strikes, like you say how Toronto got back into the game 3-2. They scored two goals in 56 seconds. 
But then it was Georgia again, two goals in 52 seconds to go up 5-2 with one of them being shorthanded. So, and that spelling the end of the night for Brandon Miller, that, that two-goal 52-second uh, run, we'll call it. Um, the game's 9-6 at the half. Rosie stops, uh, you know, what is it, 24 of 27 in the second half. Only allows three goals. One of them's an empty netter. Again, you go back to the part about it being disappointing but not disappointing. It's like there's your, you know, there's your franchise goaltender in there when it's on the line only allows three goals in the second half in a playoff game where you're trying to claw back. And, you know, again, if the offense gets rolling, there's a very good chance that we get to the 10-minute tiebreaker game because of how well Rosie played in the second half and really going in in relief, stopping 32 of 39 in 50 minutes of work. What more can you ask from the guy coming off the bench? You want him to pitch a shutout, you know what I mean? So um, I know there's some people that uh, still, for some reason, have some negative comments about Nick Rose's goaltending, and it's just it's it's at the point now where it's it's tough to figure out why because you know you do have two goaltenders, you're not going to have a goalie that's going to you know allow six or seven goals every game, and you know you you look at this and he only allows seven in 50 minutes. Yeah, no, that's, that's which he did several times this year, right? So it's it's tough to tough to wrap your head around, I guess. He stood on his head, and you know the numbers don't lie. He was in the goaltender of the year conversation last year, and I, I mean, I don't know what's going on with the voting or whatnot, but I'd be fully expect him to be in the conversation again this year. And I thought he had a great body of work, and you know, it probably mentally it shows how mentally strong I think he is too, in a way to. You know, he was starting every game throughout the season. He kind of knew that, and he was the starter, the go-to guy. Went through a rough patch, which obviously I'm sure, you know, he's just struggling to see the ball a little bit there at a, for a couple games, I guess you could say. But, to, you know, to come in at such a critical time of a game, put that behind him and and pretty much say, like, we're still in a, we're still in this, guys. Like, that was the kind of message I, I felt when he came in. He saw he was looking confident, looking looking good and still gave his team a great opportunity to to win that game obviously you know need a couple more goals but uh you know georgia's georgia's defense in a way surprised me as well i didn't you know i throughout the season i always thought high flying offense and they would just outscore you yeah. regardless what you put up but you know their defense did it did a good number as well and uh, made it tough but i, I thought rosie you couldn't ask for more. You're not you find a goalie that you want to get a shutout from. Find him because he doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> that, that doesn't exist. So we will uh, we will talk about the Champions Cup final here with uh, Georgia and Saskatchewan uh, in the back half of the program. But I did want to look forward to next season a little bit, and I'm sure we'll jump into this as well in the second half of the show. But when you look at on offense, you know, a couple things pop into my head here. First of all, let's talk about the defense. Let's jump around a little bit. Excuse me. There was, uh, you know, a, a, a rebirth, uh, you know, a, a new a new look defense, I guess you could say, with all the new guys that were coming into the mix. But I think now it kind of becomes that case of who's going to get better next season. I think that's the key for a lot of these young guys because I think there are some guys that come into this league, and I don't want to call them one-hit wonders necessarily, but guys where, you know, you get a taste – and you think, oh, this guy's young. He is going to be so good. You know, wait till year two and three and four. But sometimes they don't really get any better. And I think that's got to be the thing is that these young guys now, they have to take the next step. They all have to be better next year, right? And I think that's, as a collective group, we see the team didn't win this year. Everybody does have to get better. You know, nobody has to. nobody can come in here next year and just be as good as they were this year in order for this team to win. So everybody's got to get better. And I think on the defensive side and, and with some of the young guys, they all do have to get better. And I think that will translate into the offensive side of things too. Um, but finding the mix next year, I think, is going to be a really interesting thing because just to you know, throw some names here, righties on the offensive side of the ball, Schreiber, Hickey, Lintner, Behrens, Caputo, Rob Hellier comes back into the mix. So if you're going with your top three are Schreiber, Hellier, Hickey, that's pretty good. Oh, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> You know, when you throw good. Hellier into the mix from what, and, you know, add into what we saw from Schreiber, and like I say, if in year two Schreiber's even better 
you know, than he was in year one here. Like, look out here on the offensive side of the things. But LeBlanc, McCardle, Reinhold, Evans, McDonald are the lefties. And, you know, I think you probably pencil in LeBlanc and Reinhold right now and and to see who else is going to fit into these spots – you know, McCardle and Evans obviously are the two front runners, given I think what we saw this year. But I think potentially the big thing that may have to happen here is maybe the acquisition of a of a premier lefty, because when you look at kind of some of the change over year over year, you had Doyle and Sanderson go out. Those are guys who were one two. LeBlanc was kind of number three. Now you've got LeBlanc pushed up to up the depth chart. You know. He's still there. He was there when those other guys were one and two when this team was having, you know, success and, and going to championships and whatnot. But I think now I think the offseason need potentially may be um, right at the top of the list to be an offensive lefty. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And uh, just to quickly touch on the right, that that might be one of the, if not the best right side in the league next year. Yeah. You know, if Schreiber does, you know, continue his growth in, in the box game and, you would have to think he will coming into this year. You know, w- could he be coming in oozing confidence in the box across game? I, I don't think so. Never playing it. it, it was yeah. It had to be a you know a mystery to him how this was going to translate as well. And now after what he did in his body of work throughout this year, I think he's got to be coming in next year feeling like okay, I got like I can do this now, and I, I've proven that, and I got to build on that. And uh, by all means, he you know he's working hard down in the states, and I don't see him. I do see him, sorry, uh, evolving his game as well. And, you know, Hickey, we talk about a 45-goal season. Like, yeah. <laughs> he comes back with that and throwing Robbie Heller. That's one, That's going to be one hell of a right side. But I do agree. I think they're, you know, Reinhold, great story. I thought he was a great addition to the team. And he, he got a lot better. You watched him get better as the season went on from, you know, starting practice roster to, Scored half the goals on Saturday down yeah. in Georgia there for putting up a four spot. Um, but I do think, you know, you, you're talking, we're talking elite or, you know, upper echelon lefties that would uh, go a long way in just solidifying, you know, that whole offensive mold for sure. And when you look at Reed Reinhold, I mean, there's a guy that didn't play every regular season game. Had he scored at the same clip that he did through the games that he played uh, over an 18-game season – he would have paced out to score 30 goals, which would have just been three less than what Schreiber scored. So, yeah. I mean, you think about that and what Reed Reinhold's ceiling could be possibly now from what we've seen this year. But then I go back to my comment, I guess you could say a couple of moments ago, about everybody has to get better. We can't see this group take a step backwards. We can't see any of these players regress at all in the second year or just do as much. I think everybody's got to kind of get better in year two. So I think that's going to be an interesting focus and, and something to track next year for sure is who are the guys that do take that next step and who are the guys that don't I mean not to uh, you know paint anybody with a similar brush but when you think about 2011 with this team Aaron Paskus kind of comes out of nowhere and I know that name probably doesn't ring a bell with a lot of people anymore because he was kind of hearing and gone you know um, but 2011 comes in is a nice piece on the offense, scored some big goals, played in the championship game, won the championship. I can remember sitting with him at the bar at the post game and just like him still shaking his head like, what just happened over the last five months? Because he kind of went from a free agent invite to training camp, kind of out of nowhere. A guy, Terry Sanderson and, and crew picked out of BC. Almost like Reed Reinhold here. That's why I kind of say it's, it's kind of similar. It's funny, but... You know, Pascas came in, played a role, did really well, stayed in the lineup the whole season, played in the championship game. Then in the offseason, the Rock ended up trading Pascas, and then he just kind of drifted off the map kind of thing in terms of the pro game. So while I don't see that happening necessarily with Reed Reinhold here, um, it's just interesting that, you know, again, here's a guy the Rock pick up off the free agent pile, comes in, excels in his role, and kind of gives us a little uh, – reason for optimism here going forward for sure and i mean i don't think anyone should should be complacent as you said they did you know we're, we're saying how it was a great season and by, by all means but in reality they got you know we just got swept by georgia we're, 
you know, there's still another round to go if we make it by this one. There's still work to do here. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the guys for majority of the roster are, are young. They, they still have lots of, lots of opportunity to grow. And I'd be, you know, thinking they're all going back to whether, you know, BC, where junior, wherever they're playing their summer ball and should be motivated to work on things to knowing, um, you know, what they did this year and, what they can improve on it should only be better next year and that the run the the journey the where they get to the ultimate goal it you know i definitely think it's uh something that can be proved on and i don't think you want to sit there for instance just read we're talking about read and say you know i was on pace for 30 goals pencil me in for 30 next year that's just not how it works um you know some of these guys the schreiber the mccardell the reed that necessarily weren't on the map at the start of the year it might be tougher now that they are on the map for teams, yeah. you, know, you know, like coming in, knowing Tom Schreiber put up a 90-something point season this year. Like we really got to – he might have a full 18-game schedule where now he's getting circled on the whiteboard where I don't know, maybe game one game to game five, maybe he wasn't just because uh, we didn't know what he was really about. But uh, promising, you know, I think a lot of youth and a, a lot of you should guys that should be eager to uh, to evolve their game and see where they can take it to. Latrell Harris, back playing Junior A already. He's gone into a couple of games this week for the St. Catharines A's. You've been around guys in Junior that have played pro and then come back to play Junior A. Um, what have you seen from them in that summer when they come back and play Junior A? Is it a little bit sometimes foots off the gas a little bit sometimes? Or do you think these guys come out and dominate as much? Or... What kind of summer, I guess, do you think we'll see from Latrell Harris here? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it would be very easy to to fall into that foot-off-the-gas mindset. Um, to be honest, you're, you're, you went from playing against the best of the best and, and men to, you know, obviously there's some still some great junior in the cross, still great, don't get me wrong, but they're – still boys for lack of yep. a better or lack of a better term and mm-hmm. i mean let's be honest they're not as big they're not as fast they're not as strong um just the whole competitiveness of the game isn't quite it's just a different game saying that um you know i've seen a couple guys come back and and you really noticed right away like wow this guy you can tell this guy's got a a big league game now and he he has the whole package that Involved or that yeah. is expected in the NLL, and with Latrell, I don't see that being the case. Like I, I see him going back there, and to be honest, dominating. He's gonna, you know, with St. Catharines, I think they, he'd be quite a boost. Watch walking him walk in the dressing room for game one. There, um, he should be. I know he's still young, but watching him play this year, it should be like a men versus boy yeah. kind of <laughs> scenario. On the like he was a monster on the back end. Um, I think he's already chipped in with a couple goals yeah. as well, so he's yeah. finding his stroke offensively. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, if I tell Latrell or had some words for him, I guess like go. His potential is the sky's the limit with him, and uh, you you wouldn't want to, you know, waste that the potential opportunity he has by you know coming back with the mindset that this is going to be easy for me. The work you put in this summer's, you know, in, on the floor in the gym and and whatnot, it's only going to help him translate next next winter. So uh, I, I see him coming back and being a, a big piece of the, the St. Catherine Athletics and, and around the league. He should be matching up with every top O guy coming as well. Well, here's the thing I'm going to ask Jamie Dowick about, <clears throat> who is going to be in studio with us in a moment. Latrell Harris's St. Catherine's A's will be matching up at some point with Josh Dowick's Toronto Beaches and how he feels about Latrell Harris going up against... <laughs> his son in junior a and uh probably just how much he's actually looking forward to that and uh you know seeing a a player that plays for his professional team going up against his son uh you know just getting his feet wet in junior a and josh is off to a a pretty respectable start so far uh in his junior a career with the beaches so uh we'll jump into that in just a couple of moments when we have the owner the president and the general manager Three titles, one gentleman. Jamie Dowick will be with us in studio. More Toronto Rock Total Access to come in a moment. (music) 
Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock here with Kyle Davis. We now welcome in the studio with us Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager, Jamie Dowick. Jamie, how are you doing? Doing good, thanks. How are you guys? I'm well. I'm well as well. <laughs> All right. So Saturday night, uh, the result that no one wanted, obviously, but a valiant effort from the Toronto Rock uh, contingent down there in Georgia. A tough loss. Um, just your thoughts on the game Saturday night. Well, uh, you know, first off, congrats, congratulations to Georgia here. Um, we went down there and, and we played the number one seed in the league from the regular season. And, uh, you know, them and Saskatchewan kind of uh, were the cream of the crop in the regular season. And, and you know, apparently they've been the cream of the crop in the, in the playoffs too. So um, I, I'm proud of our team. I mean, they, they they bought in from day one this year and they battled right to the very end and and there was no quit and um you know disappointing to lose obviously we're, we're we we play this for one reason and it's to win championships but um you know i like to think we're, we're headed in the right direction now Going into games, everybody always says, you know, we don't want to get into a, situ where we're a situation where we're chasing the game and getting down 3 nothing. Uh, you know, about three minutes into the first quarter on Saturday night. Obviously, the Rock were chasing the game. Um, what were your thoughts immediately right off the hop as to how you thought the night was going to play out once you got down 3 nothing? Well, it was the absolute worst-case scenario. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was what we talked about couldn't happen and – you know, if you watched us this year, which obviously you guys did, but we were a much better team when we played with the lead. And, we, you know, our offense, just in general, we were just a much better team. So, um, you know, that really was the worst-case scenario possible. Um, you know, we got back in the game. We're down 5-4. Um, made a goaltending change. Rosie came in and gave us a chance to win. Um, you know, pretty similar um script to game one really um and and that's how the season ends for us so um the group's good we're in good shape going forward you know to me it's uh, i know what we where we need to go and where we need to add and, and what we need to do and you know it'll be a matter of doing that and you know easier said than done but um you know we we've got some core we got some good core pieces and added some great core pieces this year as well so um i think the future's bright looking at saturday night and focusing on the goaltending just for a moment we saw like you mentioned brandon miller gets uh, pulled 10 minutes into the game but talk about nick rose coming in and you know only allowing seven goals you know the rest of the way yeah Ro uh, rosie was awesome no surprise there i mean you know the surprise was that that you know, B had been really hot, and uh, you know it happens. It's, it's happened to Rosie, and, and it's not necessarily B's fault. You know whether he wasn't seeing the ball as well as he wanted, or you know there was a few defensive breakdowns right off the hop. Um, you know it's a combination of both things. Um, you know once again, uh, our guy comes off the bench, and it's Rosie. And you know who uh, should we be surprised? I mean. I think he's the wins goaltender of the year this year. So it, it just the way it played out and, uh, you know, maybe fitting that Rosie was in there playing like a champ, um, you know, when our season ended just like he was when our season began. A lot of youth on the team this year, which is, you know, we all know about. Uh, what's the what's the message to the, to the, I guess, the younger guys who are going through their first professional NLL offseason to, uh, to not get complacent, to make sure they do – you know they're not just satisfied after the, the the good season they had to make sure they do you know progress and get better because ultimately you know to evolve to where you want to be the players growth is going to you know have to go into that as well absolutely the message was real simple um don't be complacent don't take it for granted and i'm going to bring guy you know it might be your job right now if that's where you finished and whatever but i will be bringing in guys that want to take your job just like you came in last year and wanted to take someone else's job. It's that simple. Most of them get it, and if they do, they'll be fine. You know, if they don't take me seriously, you know, they, they, will, they will come 
you know, middle to end of December next year when they're looking for a job. So, I, I, but but you know what? To be honest with you, the the rookie class of guys we had in here this year, it it was it was a special group and it was a big group. And um, not only were they great on the floor, you know, they're they're, they're all great people and personalities and teammates and you know they've been told it's not something I worry about it's up to them you know especially the ones that kind of go away for six months and we don't see so much over the summer so um, I don't think it'll be an issue and um, you know they they all welcome the competition for sure and you know no Every year there's change within a team or an organization. Um, I know it's still fresh and whatnot. Uh, you know, everyone will come back to camp. But what's uh, what's your wish list, I guess, or what are you looking forward to to improve on within the organization, whether it be at a specific role or just in terms of uh, a competition at camp next year? Well, I mean, um, you know, we will get uh, Robbie Hellyer back next year. Um, so that'll be a huge addition. Um you know whether it, you know, he's, a, he's been our best player o- over the past few years so that'll be a huge addition for us um you know always like to improve my depth on the back end for sure um and guys to come in and push the current starters and try and take their jobs i don't that'll only help us i think we're deep in the goal and uh you know i'd like to figure my left side out a little bit better i'm not saying we don't have the pieces there or whatever I think the mix and the match can work better, and we have to figure out what that is. Um, you know, there, there will be some changes next year with Robbie getting in on the right side. You know, uh, obviously he's a shoe in for being there, brings another guy into the mix, changes the dynamic a bit. So it, it, to me, it's all about putting the puzzle together, you know, and I think we have a lot of the pieces. Um, it's not complete. If it was complete, we'd be talking about a game in a week and and hosting a cup in three weeks so um you know we're while i'm happy with the year um on on a whole and in a nutshell uh, we didn't accomplish what our goals were so that means there's a lot of work to be done and and that's the mindset so i guess having said all that and i know you went around the wish list but does it say maybe that the a ball carrying lefty maybe is kind of at the top of the list maybe or well i mean you know every every team in this league would take a ball carrying lefty you know um we've got a guy on the left side in turner who i think can carry the ball um and showed it at times this year um i more feel like it's not you know we're just kind of missing that cohesiveness and you know it's not that you look at one player and say, you know, we got to get. I like them all individually. You know, my my feeling is that that side has to come to bet bet better together as a group. And you know, I I need to find out if there's a better mix there. No, at the end of last season, there were a number of guys uh, who were at the tail end of their careers that um, either retired or decided to stop playing. Um, do you think we're going to see any of that again this year? Have any guys indicated that to you already that uh, they may not be back next year? I've had no one tell me that they are done and not back yet, as of yet. Um, you know, we, we've done most of our exit interviews here. I, I didn't get a chance to meet with everyone, obviously, because of other commitments in their lives, and the, and the rest of those will be, will be finishing up very soon. Um, you know... Uh, I, I encourage the guys that, you know, are in that position of, of questioning whether they're going on or not. No one needs to rush and make a decision. Take your time. Make your decision and do what's best for you. And, and if, if that means it's time to hang them up, then, uh, then we wish you nothing but the best. And, and, and that's, that's that, really. It's great to see them do it as a Toronto Rock. And, and if they want to come back and, and compete for a spot next year in camp, um, you know, they, they would be welcome to do that too. But, um, you know, I, I think it's crystal clear around here, you know, jobs are, it's nothing personal and, 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 and things like this. But, you know, 
myself, the coaching staff, we've got to do what we believe is best for the team and in the best interest of the team. And people aren't always going to agree. So um, it is what it is. Those are the challenges and, and, and whatever. But uh, no one has told me yet that, uh, you know, it's over. We won't see them again. Now, the other end of that spectrum, actually, something we, we talked about in the opening segment of the show, um, Latrell Harris is going back to play junior A now for the St. Catharines A's. Your son, Josh, has started <laughs> his career with the Toronto Beaches. <laughs> Are you looking forward to that matchup at all when those two potentially might match up on the floor at, at some point uh, against one another? Yeah, well, Latrell's, are, they're both righties, so... Uh, yeah, it, it may not happen, uh, but... Kind of, if sometimes. I see Latrell sl- <laughs> sliding over to that side of the floor, I'm going to kind of, like, what are you doing? Um, hey, hey, listen, I think about that all the time, like, not just about Josh, but uh, my Josh, that is, but, like, just kids at kids in general in junior I mean Latrell was an absolute horse for us and you know uh, if, if it it's wasn't it's not fair right? it, it, well it seems yeah. like if it wasn't for Tommy for me you know if it wasn't for Tommy to me Latrell is the rookie of the year this year he was 18 turning 19 I mean he played in every situation for us lugged, lugged a ton of minutes you know as great as he was on the floor, he was off the floor. An awesome teammate. Just, just, just. Um, and, you know, I've been watching a lot of junior games over the last couple of weeks, kind of, you know, knowing that he's going to be out there soon. And I, and it is kind of funny. Like, it's, it, he, he's just, he's, he's a bit of a freak of nature out there. And, and he'll be playing against, you know, some young, young men. And, uh, He's going to be dominant. He's going to be dominant. We could use him on the Oakville Rock, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) No, listen, I know Latrell loves playing in St. Catharines. And and listen, Robbie did this, right? If you remember, like, and that was kind of weird, too. Like, Robbie, now Robbie didn't get into 18 games like Latrell did in his rookie year as an 18-year-old. But it, 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 it is weird when you watch, you know, guys that have, been successful or playing in the pro league and then to see them go back and play junior but you know it's an age thing and and a lot of guys have done it and um but at the same time there there's not been a ton of defensive guys that have done it at 18 years old and played that many games in the nll as a rookie and gone back and played junior like they're like it it usually seems to me like a a robbie like an offensive guy comes in and plays you know gets his feet wet in the NLL, but like uh, that's kind of the scary thing to me is that how at times physically dominant Latrell was against men. Oh, I see. I've seen. I right? saw him like, throw Mark Matthews around this <laughs> yeah. year, and and Mark is one of the biggest, strongest, most talented guys in our league. I mean, yeah. yeah I listen. I'll, I'll throw all the junior A coaches a free tip today and tell them don't run the ball at Latrell because <laughs> I don't know if you got a guy that can do it by yeah. himself. So. <laughs> it it really is like you you're you are gonna have to you know game plan around not you know where he is on the floor because he's that much of an impact. I, I'm sure I'm sure similar to Kyle Rubish. I'm sure you know yeah. like he when he came in. Now he was a little older because he went to it, that. Yeah. That's the only difference. Like you you've got to you've seriously got to know where he is because. If it's one guy running the ball into him and the other guys aren't in the right spot, that ball's going the other way on a breakaway, and and you know he'll he's going to continue to improve his finish and and this and that. So it should be fun to watch. You know, Josh needs to keep his head up. <laughs> you think about it, you just think of all the things Latrell accomplished as you know, like the hat trick in the last game of the regular season against Buffalo in front of you know fifteen thousand fans, and now. He's going to go and be probably doing the similar thing, you know, playing for St. Catharines yeah. this summer. It just Listen, it's wild I, to think. It is. And, uh, you know, as far as Latrell goes, um, that couldn't have worked out any better on any front. I mean, you know, if you when, you, when we make that pick and, and make that selection and, you know, I think what you hoped for um, – you know, to me, he exceeded that in every single category. And, 
you know, he's 19 years old. I hope he's around here for a long time, and, and, and the future couldn't be brighter for that young man. Looking ahead, uh, bring it back to the NLL here, looking ahead to the Champions Cup, uh, I guess, in two weeks with the bye week here. Uh, just curious, I mean, maybe you don't have to even answer. Would you? Are you rooting for Georgia being, you know, then the team that knocked you off, or are you hoping Sass gives it to them as they are the team that knocked you off? I'm not rooting for anyone, first and <laughs> foremost. I hey, Listen, um, that, that part I'm not rooting for. Um, you know, I will tell you um, I'm going to – I'm going to pick the same team I picked before the season start started, and I believe Saskatchewan will win. Um, I think the two best teams are in the final, 100%. Saskatchewan's a battle-tested, proven champion that, you know, to me, in my opinion, um, if Georgia doesn't have the best offense, you know, Saskatchewan, if Georgia, everyone wants to talk about Georgia's offense, but... You know, Saskatchewan's is is right there with them, in my opinion. You know, you could make an argument if you want. They're better. I, I'm not going to argue either way. I think Saskatchewan, while, while Georgia played great defense against us, I felt like in both those games in, in, in the Eastern Conference Finals and, and exceeded my expectations, I think Saskatchewan's definitely got an advantage there. Um, and, you know, it – Having said all that, I fully expect it to be a great series, whether it goes to three games or not. I mean, it can be a great series and go two games, right? Um, I do think, I do think Saskatchewan will. Uh, what would that be? Our second three-peat in a row. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's what you know made notes actually on that. You know, in the last <laughs> back to 2011, right? I mean, including yeah, so the Rock like, when there's only been three teams in the last. So the seven, only ones that have seasons. won since we last won were Rochester, Rochester and, and Saskatchewan. Rush, yeah. It's amazing, and and um, you know, a nine-team league. I, you know, people say whatever. I think it's even more impressive because. You know that makes it challenging. Uh, hey, listen, they're they're a great team. Georgia's a great team. Going to be a heck of a series. Absolutely. All right, Jamie. Thanks a lot for taking some time here and uh, enjoy the hey, summer. Maybe ball we can spruce up the the studio, uh, studio pit for next year, right, eh, guys? Like, what would you uh, like to add in here? It's well, kinda, no, I'm I just saying. I've, I've you're been, kind of in charge of that. I want to well, say. Well, so. I, I appreciate that. But no, I've, I've enjoyed it in here. I like the, I like the studio. You guys have done a great job with the podcast this year. I, I love doing it in house yeah. and and doing it in here and. Uh, you we know, got the mood lighting going today. Yeah, I, I did know. I wasn't yeah. even sure if you guys were in here, to be <laughs> honest with you. But, uh, no, it's, uh, you know, I love coming on, talking rock. Obviously, I could talk rock anytime, any day, whatever. You guys yeah. did a great job this year. Um, and, uh, you know, keep it up. And, yeah, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll make a little addition to the studio. <laughs> All right. I can't wait to see what it is. <laughs> yeah. Luttrell left his hat here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jamie, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. All right, that was Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager Jamie Dowick. We will be back with more in a moment here on Toronto Rock Total Access. Like the legend of the phoenix, ends with beginnings. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis continuing to wrap up the season here on this week's final podcast of the season. Uh, we now welcome in studio Nick Rose, Toronto Rock goaltender. Rosie, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Well, obviously uh, an end to a season that uh, came a bit earlier than everyone had hoped. Um, Saturday night in Georgia, you found yourself between the pipes after uh, Brandon Miller um, had a, obviously a shaky start to the game, gave up five goals on nine shots in 10 minutes, and you found yourself between the pipes. Uh, how difficult is that to come off the bench in a playoff game like that? Um, I wouldn't say that it's too difficult. I mean, we're trying to extend our season, and uh, it, it's just kind of one of those things where it, it comes with the territory of uh, being a goalie in the NOL. You always got to be ready to go in the net, and... Uh, this game or this weekend just happened to be uh, an elimination game so uh, it wasn't too difficult had to be ready and uh, just focus on playing my game in your head though you know obviously you don't want to see your goaltender <coughs> partner teammate etc have a, have a shaky start but when you do have that opportunity to go into the game and it's early 
and you know you can still have an impact on the game with how much time's left. Is that one of those situations where you're like, you know what, let's put this last 10 minutes, like, boys, jump on my back, let's go, I want this, I want to be in there now, and, and, you know, are you still charged up mentally, that kind of thing, that it's like, here's my opportunity, I'm ready to roll? Yeah, no, definitely, uh, especially kind of with the situation I had been in, played mostly games, and kind of struggled down the stretch there, so to, to have a chance to kind of have a final say on on kind of how things ended was, uh, yeah, it was what I wanted. I wanted that opportunity, and yeah, B might have not have been seeing it, but I mean, obviously, he did an incredible job for us to extend our season uh, the previous two weeks. So uh, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough thing. But uh, with myself and B, it's just one of those things where we got to pick each other up. And yeah, I mean, uh, going in there, I think I may have said a word or two to the guys, but they they knew that it was time. We probably let B down a little bit, and uh, and yeah, you, know, you can't really feel too sorry for yourselves uh, that early in the game. And now just to take a step back from uh, from that, and obviously, you know, not the result you wanted, and, and it stings currently in this week and, and being fresh, but from a, if you take a broad view there, you have to be pretty happy with, you know, the strides this team took, how your play over the course of the season was, and uh, in comparison to, you know, where this team was a year ago. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely call it a big step in the in the right direction for this group um quite a bit of turnover from last year a lot of young young guys who basically went wire to wire from game one to game 20 or whatever so a lot of bright spots for this group I think uh we got a good thing here we got a great situation with the having the track here to practice during the week and and be healthy and be ready to go for next season so uh I think uh after that disappointment kind of gets out of there, I think uh, the excitement uh, for this group, uh, this group going forward, is uh, going to kick in. Now, the second half of that game on Saturday night, uh, very close. You know, not too much difference between the two teams. Really, just an empty netter uh, in the second half is is basically the difference. But what did you see on the floor as maybe you know the difference that uh, I guess made it too difficult for the Rock to come back? Yeah, I mean, uh, against a great team like that, and they were a great team. Like, let's not uh, mince words here. I mean, they they broke the record for goals scored in a in a season, I believe. So they're, they're a tough offense to handle, and with kind of the start we had, uh, we were chasing our tail a bit uh, all night. And second half, we, we came out, competed, and uh, well, I, I think we could kind of sense that desperation that our season was on the line, and we just couldn't kind of – ever get a lead really their goaltending and defense played great again so um yeah I mean I I I know that we competed and put it all out there and uh just fell a bit short now at your age uh 29 years old right a lot of goaltenders in this league kind of come into their prime more so almost once they get into their late 20s and even early 30s do you feel that you're now kind of playing your best lacrosse and that this is the prime of your career that you're kind of about to go into here yeah, I mean, I'd like to think so. Uh, I I know that I had a pretty good season this year, but uh, I mean, got to find a way to maintain that for as long as the, as long as I can, I guess. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I'd like to say I'm heading into my prime, and I think uh, with with a team here and staff that we have, uh, uh, the opportunity is going to be there for us to hopefully have a championship come back to Toronto. So. Uh, that's really my focus is to keep trying to get better and and hopefully uh, I, I can help us get to that point. Now you got summer ball coming up now at the Oakville Rock. Major Series Lacrosse getting started this weekend, I think. So um, not really too much of a break here. And there are a lot of guys from the Toronto Rock playing for Oakville this summer. But is there anything in particular? Uh, we know the, the Nets in the summer are three inches uh, skinnier we'll say um is there anything in in particular that you want to specifically work on this summer about your game yeah I mean uh it is nice uh going back to the wooden goalie stick I am able to kind of be a bit more upright and don't have to go down as much just to try and cover the lower parts of the net just because the net nets are a bit smaller so yeah I want to be focused on staying upright and kind of strong on my stick and that kind of stuff but uh yeah, we'll see how the summer goes, and uh, I, I think the guys are pretty excited to get going again, uh, trying to just get the thought of the loss to Georgia out of our minds. Now, you mentioned the stick there. Would you ever think about playing with the plastic in the summer? 
Uh, unless they were to change the rules, I'm doing my team a disservice going to a plastic stick because it, it does make a big difference. And if the guy I'm playing down in the other end has a wooden stick, then I'm always going to do the same because uh, if, if it makes a difference for my team getting a win, I'm going to do that. You know, Hammer mentioned a lot of the Toronto Rock players, uh, you know, move over and bounce to, to the Oakville Rock. Uh, how nice is that to have that, uh, you know, the familiarity, that already built-in trust? Basically, a lot of the guys are playing all year round together. That's got to be, uh, you know, a bonus. Yeah, I mean, it's great for camaraderie. Uh, I think most of the guys are legitimate friends and hang out all the time outside the rink too. So it's great to be able to play with your friends and go to battle uh, a bit longer than just uh, all, or just during the winter, right? So um, I think we're looking forward to kind of getting back out there together and uh, try and take the next step together. Summer plans beyond playing lacrosse. Anything you want to check off the bucket list or anything this summer? Uh, nothing really. I mean, I, it's going to be pretty lacrosse filled for me. I help coach and manage uh in Orange Roll with the Northman organization. so Really? You're involved with the Northman? <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> Shout so. out to Kevin Ross there. No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, yeah, basically every night of the week, I'm either heading to a junior A game or Bantam game to coach or, and after this weekend, I guess I'll be heading to my own game. So it's going to be pretty busy with lacrosse, but uh, I don't think I'd have it any other way, really. Absolutely, I agree. All right, Rosie, well, uh, thanks a lot for taking some time to recap the season with us here on the final edition of Toronto Rock Total Access for the season. And uh, I know we'll see you around here and around the rink here in the months to come. All right, thanks a lot, guys. All right, that was Nick Rose, Toronto Rock goaltender, turned Oakville Rock goaltender, major series lacrosse getting started this Sunday. We will take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back with more in a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis wrapping up the uh, first season of the podcast of Toronto Rock Total Access here for you. And we're going to uh, talk Champions Cup. We're going to talk uh, buying and selling. And uh, anything else we want to talk about here in the last segment of the, last segment of the show. So let's talk uh, Champions Cup off the bat. We've got a bye week here to deal with. But uh, game number one will take place on Sunday, June the 4th in Georgia. A spicy 5 o'clock start time there, followed by Game 2 Saturday, June 10th in Saskatchewan, 9.30 Eastern start. And then Game 3, if necessary, will be again on a Sunday at 5 o'clock in Georgia, June the 18th. Um, interesting schedule with these Sunday 5.05 times. I don't know if there is any uh, TV plans in the works. Perhaps that factored into it with the Sunday 5 o'clock start times. I'm not too sure, but... Um, We'll see how it plays out in terms of awareness. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. I don't know. It's not really a, a typical start time. It's not prime time. It's uh, Sunday evening. I don't know. I, I don't really know the reasoning behind it, but we'll see how it all plays out. But talking about the action on the floor, um, we already heard Jamie Dowick say that he thinks the Saskatchewan Rush will be uh, claiming their third straight championship by the time this is all said and done. Who do you think is coming out on top? I have to agree with uh, with Jamie there as well. I think Saskatchewan, I, I mean, coming into the season, I don't know if we have said it on the podcast or not, but I think we've said it off offline for sure. I had, you know, if you're looking at it, Saskatchewan was the, the preseason pick, and nothing's changed in my mind that they're not the pick. Uh, you know, albeit Georgia's had a great year and did what they did and finished better in the record-wise, which ultimately, you know, warrants them the home – home field advantage I just I think Saskatchewan just is going to be a little bit too much for so here's maybe the better question then do we see three games I that that I could see I I think if if Saskatchewan can go in and win game one too especially in Georgia there on a a 505 Sunday like I, I don't you know Georgia's kind of struggled a little bit with the crowd anyways I don't think Sunday at 505 is the time that they're going to be filling the place um going back to Saskatchewan will be tough uh, to pull a win. We've seen how crazy it is there. We just talked about you know fans jumping on the floor last game. <laughs> but uh, should be a good series. A lot of high-end skill 
you know, on both sides up front and, uh, you know, deep, both athletic defenses, great goalies. We watched Poulin string together pretty good, you know, 120 minutes of lacrosse here in the second round. And, uh, yeah, it should be good, but Saskatchewan's my pick. So looking back at that uh, first game of the season uh, for the rush, an 18-10 loss, so Aaron Bold did not play. Uh, the other guy who did not play, looking at this summary real quick and jogging the memory, was Ben McIntosh. Also didn't play in that first game. So um, two pretty significant pieces, but it was a bit of a shocking result even off the bat. We thought, oh, wow, Georgia just spanked them, and it was obviously the sign of things to come with their – uh, with their scoring prowess that we would see throughout the rest of the season as Georgia went on to break records and and whatnot. So, um, and just to j- jump in there, though, first game of the season after you know a Champions Cup with a couple guys missing, like you know, looking back at the season, uh, I don't it hasn't changed my mindset at all. That game, yeah. Saskatchewan's you know, Saskatchewan went zero two to start the season because then we beat them, uh, you know, a week later there and. This doesn't change my mind. They figured it out, and they got to where they ultimately wanted to be, and they're still there. And yeah, so I mean, that game doesn't really do much for me. Obviously, good for Georgia to pick up the win they needed at the time, but that doesn't really change my opinion much. Yeah, it was a long time ago, many many universes ago, right now, and I and I do agree with you. I think uh, Saskatchewan wins this game. I agree with everybody. I don't think there's probably too many people out there that are picking Georgia, and maybe that's the way they're going to like it going into this series. Um, I guess I'm not saying I don't think, you know, if Georgia wins, it's not like I'm going to be floored or shocked or, but it will be an upset. I think, you know, in just the classic sense of it all, it will, it will be an upset. I think if Georgia wins this, I don't think they're the the favorite going into this against the two-time defending champions. And like we probably say, almost everybody's preseason pick to win it all. Um, I don't think we're going to see a third game. I think Saskatchewan wins this in two. Um, I think, you know, that appeal of winning the championship on home floor is a big deal for the Rush organization. It worked out great, uh, you know, in 2015 when The Rock uh, ended up going to Saskatchewan, or to Edmonton Edmonton. and losing uh, game number two and being swept. So, um, I, I just think it's it's going to be that scenario where the rush will will have that opportunity to to win this whole thing on home floor like uh, like they have already here, and I, I just think there's going to be another party in Toontown that'll be slightly legendary <laughs> once again. And we do not encourage nor condone people jumping onto the no. floor during game. Not not at all. Um, and I don't think it speaks to the passion level of the fans either. But, you know, these, this has become the thing to do in Saskatoon, clearly. And I think the crowd <clears throat> will be too much in game number two of that series, you know, uh, for Georgia to come, you know, overcome. And I'm not saying we're already jumping past game one and Saskatchewan's got that in the bag. But um, I really do think that <clears throat> the Rush will go on to win their third championship here. And uh, Mark Matthews will probably be the – Champions Cup MVP and everything will be right in the lacrosse world apparently. Well, crazy too that you know if, if they do pull this off to have a three-peat followed by a three-peat in Rochester and now Saskatchewan, uh, you're you know some teams are are putting together some pr- some pretty good cores respectively with Rochester. They're doing their three with you know who they had at the time and Saskatchewan pulling off three in a row. It's it's you know it's a professional league. It's it's tough to win one let alone string three together in a row. So obviously you're doing something right out there. And not to jump around too much here, but while it's still fresh in uh, both of our minds, we were looking ahead to the 2017 NL entry draft. And, you know, Georgia's got three first-round picks. Rochester has three first-round picks. Very interesting. Rochester will obviously be using those three first-rounders to restock the cupboard. I don't see them moving any of those three picks. However... If you're the Georgia Swarm, are you not dealing one or two of these picks for maybe a first-rounder even in 2020, 2021, where you may need to replenish and be bringing in multiple guys again in in drafts? And, I mean, maybe even that's too soon, really, when you think about the age of this team. Yeah. I mean, by no means am I a GM here, but I'll throw the GM cap on. I I think it's a great point. You look at their – 
their team, their core, they're all very they're overall young. I like their offense, their de- even the core of their defense. I mean, I don't know exact ages, but you'd think like maybe Poulin's got to be one of the older, like the oldest guy on the team, if not the oldest. I, I'm not exactly sure, but he's a net. Um, I think it's a yeah. You're not gonna realistically, if you look at the roster, there's not really, you know, room up front for for a rookie just to jump in and and take out a, the likes of a Paulus or a, a Stats. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned too Jesse King not even playing this year. Shane Jackson, like these guys are locked in again next year. Um, so, good. I think it's something definitely they should be thinking of, and and maybe even you know going forward with and trading those, and because they'll still have their first round pick in those respective years if they haven't traded them away. Down the future, you have two, maybe a couple guys at that point are getting a little older. I think it'd be a a great play and and keep them you know if they could this core can be in the mix you know for the next couple of years that will allow them to not have to go maybe full-on rebuild like rochester is doing right now they could maybe uh, you know tinker and tweak on the fly as well and just quickly looking at the roster there to to back up your point there mike Poulin, an 85 birth year um the only other guys in that uh neighborhood jordan hall in 84 and mitch belisle also in 85 taking a quick quick glance here so i mean like you say there there aren't too many guys who are on the wrong side of 30 we'll say um and just the fact even jordan hall is is one of those guys who's a great athlete and you know even at 33 years old now um or 32 i guess turning 33 this year he'll he could still have another three, four, five really good years in this league, I think, uh, with the type of athlete that he is. So um, it, this draft, this offseason is going to be so interesting because I think some teams, like we say, like we've even talked about here with The Rock, about how deep that this right side could be and how everybody starts to shuffle the deck chairs around and, like, like Jamie said earlier on the show here, put those pieces of the puzzle together. Um, it's going to be a very, very interesting offseason. I think one in which we will see more movement than we have seen in a long time. And that takes us nicely into our buy-sell, are you buying or selling segment, because the very first thing on the list, this past weekend, NLL Commissioner Nick Sakevich made the comment that he kind of teased a possible late summer, early fall announcement about expansion. Didn't say what year, but are you buying or are you selling that there will be NLL expansion in 2018? I, I'm selling that. I'm not. Uh, I don't believe that to be. The, it could be. You know, uh, this announcement could have to do with expansion. I just think by 2018, this next season, uh, something would you know already be be announced, or that's a quick turnaround to make an announcement. What when you say fall? You said yeah. So we're talking announcement in October. For you know, a team that's going to start up and get their camp going in November, December, there, it just just seems quick, uh, a quick turnaround. So I'm going to uh, sell the notion that there's going to be uh, an expansion team in the league for the 2018 season. All right, and and that's kind of what I was getting towards with the point of the all the off-season maneuvers is I think teams will not only be setting themselves up for a 2018 season, but also potential expansion drafts coming potentially again like we say after the 2018 season getting ready for 2019 next on the list rob hellier and tom schreiber thrive in 2018 for the toronto rock and become the premier one-two punch in the national lacrosse league i i could i'll buy that for sure uh robbie's coming back i mean his what he's done in this league at such a young age speaks for itself and there's nothing nothing's happened or obviously an injury but I mean he'll work hard he'll have a good summer here I, I don't doubt um, he'll come back and I mean you could probably pencil him in for 100 plus points next year um, I think Tom is gonna like I said earlier evolve his game as well in the box circles and uh, you know but this guy plays a lot of lacrosse he's committed to the game lacrosse by all indications loves lacrosse you know, playing down uh, down south of the field game, and even the commitment to come up here this past season shows that. And you know, go out of his comfort zone in a way to to learn the box game. And I think he'll continue to learn and continue to get better. Um, you know, he he tinkered with 100 points this year. If you got two guys 
on the same side playing together, you know, putting up 100 points each, that's, I don't know if anyone else would be able to do that from a, a respective side on a respective team. And I think good players make each other, make other players better around them. It, it might take a little bit to, to find the chemistry, but uh, I think that will they'll work out quite well for those individuals in the Toronto Rock. All right, so we've had one buy, one sell, so we break the tie with this one. The Toronto Rock make a splash in the offseason, adding a premier lefty to an already potent offensive group. I'm going to buy that as well, just because I think it's an area of need. Uh, I personally love when there's a splash made, so <laughs> I would love to see something come through on uh, NLL.com there. But, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, we got, we got a, a glimpse at how good this team can be and the potential of it but you know we had Jamie on from and he said it himself there is still room to improve and the left side was an area that he he kind of brought up and um just knowing you know the the goal is to to win here and the the competitiveness within this organization there if there is an area of need I feel like they will you know do everything in their power to to address it or to to make sure it's not an area of need I guess and um I so I'm gonna buy that, and uh, I look forward to that splash if and when it does does drop. <clears throat> and here's something else outside the buy and sell. Does the Austin Stotts watch begin at any point here for the 2017 NLL draft? Could be the spiciest story yeah. of the off season. I, again, I hope so. Like, you know, we've talked about it inside here, and we like everything about this guy, what he does on the floor. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, he's got a good personality, I guess you could say. Yes. It's very... He's a know, social presence. For sure. For sure. Something, that, something about him. Obviously, you know, what he does on the floor in junior A league, and even was a big part of the nation's senior run there as well this past year coming up. And, uh, I mean... I hope he does, but obviously if he's got the education thing going on, he would have to forego that. Uh, who knows where he, where he's at, um, but it would be fun nonetheless if that name was in the mix surrounding next year's NLL season. Buffalo with the number one pick, and Rochester with the number two pick. Both teams that could truly benefit from a near lefty walking in the sure and you know Austin being from Six Nations there is quite the tie in Rochester there yep but uh, you know some other guys like Sid Smith Jameson and obviously Styers and, and whatnot uh it'd be interesting it'd be real interesting to uh to see that unfold but I mean hopefully there's some off-season clickbait for us there there you go. So a spicy one to finish off the podcast here. Uh, season number one coming to an end here on the program. We will, uh, of course, uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll rekindle the podcast at some point over the summer to give everybody a little update, uh, you know, as to what's going on. Do uh, do some uh, off season stuff, but uh, the NLL Champions Cup begins next weekend, Sunday, June the fourth, five o'clock start time in Duluth, Georgia. At the Infinite Energy Arena. It'll be a big one. And, uh, of course, all the games will be live on Twitter uh, throughout the playoffs. And uh, stay tuned if there is any other announcements coming down the road about anything else. Any other ticket stuff we want to plug? Yeah, for sure. We still have, uh, you know, we're still going here on uh, 2018 season tickets. Uh, you'd want, like I said before on the, on the podcast here, you want to get in before the june 30th the date of june 30th uh, after that date there is a slight increase in prices uh it's not much at all it's still a great bang for your buck but i i mean if you're if you're thinking about it or you're on the fence uh, or even if, if you know you're going to be getting the tickets anyways you do it before june 30th and lock the tickets in as all 2017 prices are frozen so you might as well be paying less while you have the opportunity to great seats available and i've said it before this team's you know headed in the right direction it was uh, it was a fun entertaining year the on the floor product i think it's a it's a group that there's not you can't not like this this group that i think is moving forward uh you know being around the team was it was a fun year definitely uh, in comparison to the, to the previous year before and uh, i don't see that changing so uh you know hop on board with uh 
only nine games too it's a, it's a great price uh, there's no reason not to very fa- family friendly uh price very affordable and uh come on out and enjoy uh enjoy some great lacrosse maybe we'll even give away like a uh guest spot on the podcast to a season ticket holder next year that'd be for awesome one episode come in do a segment they can share their views on the world with us that'd be awesome get uh, <laughs> there's a couple that come to mind i guess that would really want to do would it quite yeah. enjoy it just from Absolutely. you know talking with them for sure maybe we'll put that in the old uh, to-do list for the summer uh anyways kd it's been a pleasure here doing this uh with you this season and like i said hopefully maybe we'll uh, fire it up again in the summer at some point and i'm sure we'll uh we'll do some stuff leading up to the draft and the combine and whatnot uh as well at the end of the summer and into september so maybe sorry just to, maybe like a, a monthly update maybe. we have a one per month maybe seeing where the toronto rock players are at with their summer ball track the you know the individuals on the team and just we could record on monday nights catch up yeah for sure catch up uh you know if there's any league news around there just touch base on that and just keep people in the loop it's like we're having a production meeting right now Thanks. on the show. For sure. This I is ultimate behind the scenes here, folks. Ultimate. All right. So that will uh, that will wrap things up for this season. Thanks to everybody who uh, subscribed on iTunes and followed us all season long, uh, listening on SoundCloud and on iTunes, like I said. And uh, spread the word about the podcast. We'll uh, be back doing this again next year. And uh, like KD has already laid out the plan for the summer, so I guess we're set there. So uh, we're in good shape. So in the meantime and in between time, Kyle Davis, I'm Mike Hancock saying we will chat soon. Have a great summer and thanks for listening to Toronto Rock Total Access. Stop the rock, can't stop the rock, can't stop the rock.